Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Inspiration, insights, and ideas for your business and your journey. Welcome to Boost Power Podcast. I'm your host, Betsy Wiersma. Today is the first day of the rest of your life, and boy, it's going to be a good one today. Janine Valentine is with us on the show. She is a poet. She's an author. She's an entrepreneur. She's a beautiful spirit, off to change the world, and you get to hear her story. Janine, welcome to Boost Power Podcast. Thank you, Betsy. It's great to be here. I am so glad to have you here because like we were talking before we recorded the show, um, I know you a little bit and you I know you're a stylish, beautiful person because you wear some of my art on purpose wear. So I know that you're a customer and I'm really good friends with some of your best friends in the world. So um, I'm so glad to spend a little bit of time with you, um, not only talking about your book, but um, we like to begin with talking a little bit about you, the story of Janine. So you don't have to begin in the small hospital uh, because, you know, that'd be that'd be a lot for a 30-minute podcast. But tell me a little bit about you. Tell all the listeners, like, like um, give us a little story, kind of, you know, backstory of your life. Where did you grow up and what was your education? Kind of where did you start to see bits of today's Janine as you were growing up? I grew up in Oregon. And I had two siblings, a sister and a brother. I'm the oldest of three and had a pretty normal childhood there in Oregon. I did, uh, the relative to today, I did write poetry as a, like, kind of, I think I started maybe around 12 or 13, was very active with it in my teen years. Um, and then I went to Australia for my junior year of high school. I was a Rotary Exchange student. Oh, I'm a Rotarian. I love Rotary Exchange students. <laughs> so that was back in the day before we had internet or uh, cell phones. It was a bit very different experience than it would be now. But I think that's where my love of travel got born and the sense of a global community of making the world feel smaller to me. Um, my, while I was in Australia, my father got transferred with his job to Colorado. Uh, so when I came home, I came home to a new state. And so I had my senior year here in Colorado. Uh, I think I was uniquely equipped to make that transition because I'd just been the new student my junior year in Australia. So I kind of had a different skill set and I had a little bit of an Australian accent, which made me a little more interesting, I think. What, uh, where in Australia were you? I was in Young, New South Wales. I lived in, uh, like, spent about a month in Sydney for summer break over Christmas, and then uh, did a month-long tour up the coast of Queensland all the way to the North End. Wow. I was in Young. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. I remember I was um, snorkeling on the Barrier Reef, right, and, like, was one of the moments in the whole world I was on a speech gig. I was speaking in Sydney. I was by myself. I traveled to the Barrier Reef because it was on my bucket list. It was all Asian tourists that spoke in their own language and me. I was the only American, the only English-speaking person other than the guides, you know, the Australians. And I remember laying, a, like, with my head down in the surface because I'm not a big swimmer, seeing, like, clams the size of the boat and being like, you're not in Kansas anymore, Betsy. You're not in... <laughs> Indiana anymore you are in the big world by yourself and that is a big clam that is a big clam <laughs> holy moly 
That's a big thing. Well, we're just foreshadowing that later we're going to be talking about oceans and boats. Yes. And so I just was working that in. But I remember that's where one of the spots I can still, you know, it's a picture in my head. Yeah, it was so extraordinary. Awesome. So you came back to Colorado. Did you come back to Denver? Yeah. To Metropolitan? Uh, yeah, Denver area, Lakewood. Yeah. So, um, and then I went to uh, Colorado Institute of Art and I actually have my associate's degree in fashion, which is kind of funny to me today because I don't use that in any way, shape or form, but I did for a little while. Um, and then I got married at 19, which is probably a really key part of my story. <laughs> so um, we moved to Northern Cali for a while with his work and I was working in the fashion industry at the time and then had two kids and then transferred back to Colorado. And um, when I was 48, so we've been married 19 and a half years, we got divorced. So um, that was the pivot point for me of when I really came out of my shell and came back to myself. Uh, it, I really lost a lot of myself during my marriage. I don't blame anyone for that. I wasn't even aware that I did it, but it just was, I was young. <laughs> I didn't really know who I was yet. And I was really caught up in trying to be a good wife and a good mother, however we identify those things. And I just really allowed a lot of people to define that for me. And then I just tried to be that. I hear you. So I call I mean, mine my practice yeah, I marriage. Think a lot of women do that. Yeah, I called it my that? practice marriage. I was married from for seven years and I married the wrong guy. But I just, you know, I was shooting on myself. You know, I graduated yes. from college. Then you should find a partner, then you should marry them. Then you should have 2.5 children. Now I'm not quite sure how the 0.5 works in there, but um, thank God we could not have a child. We didn't make a child. Thank goodness. And um, yeah, I had to wake up and find my true self by saying, this is not working. Oh my gosh. Even though I don't even believe in divorce, but this is horrible. And this is just not it. Um, and I too had to make that big choice after seven years of marriage and, and pick just to find me. So I totally get that, but I call it for fun and practice marriage because it really helped me figure out what didn't work and got me really clear for um, what was next for me. So nice. yeah, I totally get it. I got it. So yeah. there you are. Well, I didn't, I didn't choose it. It wasn't my choice. It happened to me and it devastated me because I didn't imagine a life without a partner. Right. I didn't know who I was without those boundaries. So I had a really rough first year to two years after the divorce. It was my first time to ever live alone because I got married straight out of, you know, I was still in college when I got married. So I'd never lived by myself and it ended up being so good for me. You know, it was like a friend. One of those first weekends was like, I want to like, come stay with me. I want to take care of you. What do you like to eat? What's your favorite drink? And I couldn't answer any of those questions. And uh, no one had really asked me that in a very, very long time, wow. you know, 25 years, really. Yeah. No one had asked, asked me that. So uh, that was kind of my eyes opening to, okay, I have no idea who I am or what I like, and I need to find Janine. And so that kind of began all of that. And then, I mean, I went and got a job, and then I realized I wanted to start my own business. And so I did that. Um, it was like three years after the divorce. And 
that was a brave, scary thing that I did because I was single and I didn't have a backup income, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> and, and so I just chose to believe in myself and invest in myself. I was like, I've got this much savings I can live off for these many months. If I don't get it up and running by then, I can go get an office job, yeah. right? So I always like to say we're both entrepreneurs. We are plan B. Right? I mean, like, there are, like, have a plan B. And, and like, yeah. I'm literally plan B since my name is Betsy and you are plan <laughs> J. Because, you know, like, as entrepreneurs, you got what you got. And I, it's really, I think, hard for people that have always had a paycheck and a corporate job and work for somebody to understand what it's like when you are the paycheck. You are the new idea. You know, people say, uh, let me talk to your technical people. And I'm like, well, I, I am my technical people. <laughs> There's no people. Right. There's only me. So you're plan J and I'm plan B and it's been that way for a long time. Yeah. How, how, let's see, how many years have you had your company now? Uh, It started in March of 2017. So yeah, I'm headed into year six here. Yeah. And tell everybody who's listening what your company does, because first I'll give you a testimonial. You saved the life of my best friend, Laura Stewart, who's in real estate. She's a realtor and you are like, like if she could pick one person on earth, I think you're above her fabulous husband as the person oh, that no. saves me <laughs> because you definitely save her. So please tell the listeners how you make people's worlds work. Well, I make real estate agents' worlds work. They hire me and I handle all the minutia, all of the details of the contracts, making sure they're compliant, all of the scheduling of appraisals, inspections, closings, those sorts of things, and just shuffle paperwork around to all of the parties and stuff that it's hard for them to do when realtors are out with their clients. They don't want to be on their phone distracted trying to respond to all these other things. But in real estate, it's very time sensitive. And if you have a deadline at seven o'clock today, that's a hard deadline. People will fall out of contract and lose their house if you don't get that executed. So she just hands all that stuff off to me. And I stay at home in front of my computer. I'm not out with clients. So I can be really responsive and handle that. Well, I know you're all on the edge of your seat because we foreshadowed water, large things, oceans, uh, and how a business has to run um, when maybe or maybe not you're available. And uh, at that, we're going to go to break and leave you on the edge of your seat. You're listening to Boost Power Podcast. You are listening to Boost Power Podcast with your host, Betsy Weersma. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, women who amplify their voices and are committed to inspiring all people with podcasts on purpose. Enjoy these true stories and proven business tips for your business and your life. Now, back to Boost. We're back. I know you thought that was so long. Because it's like Janine's really cool and interesting, fun, and I want to know. Inquiring minds want to know more about Janine. So, so okay. So now you've you've had the um, opportunity for personal growth is what we always have called it. The opportunity for personal growth called divorce, which I share with you, really again made me who I am, um, and brought forth lots of blessings. And then um, you're independent. You have your own business, and tell everyone the story of the, um, again, opportunity for personal growth. That was your fab, fab vacation to the Maldives. Yeah. So I went on, it was a dive trip on a 50 meter yacht out in the middle of the Indian ocean in the Maldives in September of 2021. 
And there were 12 of us total. Laura, who you mentioned, went with, with her husband. And I had a bunch of other friends. So there were a total of 12. And we just, I mean, it was a spectacular vacation until it wasn't. <laughs> so so I wanted to put some theme music in here. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> what a spectacular vacation in the Indian Ocean in the beautiful Maldives until... A PCR test, because we, at that time, everybody had to PCR test to get on a plane. So they brought someone on board to test us all. And of my, me and my 11 friends, I was the only one. There was one other girl on the boat. The two of us tested positive for COVID. I was not symptomatic at the time, but I did become symptomatic. So um, we were required to spend 14 days quarantining in the Maldives by the government at the time. Um, so I was whisked off the boat and retested to be sure that it was correct. And it indeed was. And the problem with all of that was that while they required a quarantine, they did not have a plan in place for my care. Uh, if they had a plan, it was sketchy. The doctor didn't know it. My interpreter didn't know it. And so there was some allusion later to maybe I should have stayed in this room that I was in during the testing period, which was like, I called it a holding cell. There were no windows, really almost no room to walk around the bed, no desk. And I am an entrepreneur. I had my computer with me, thank God, but I needed to be able to work somewhere, you know? So anyway, I had to source my own uh, place to stay. I had an interpreter with me from the boat for a few, you know, a few hours while I was being retested. And then I very quickly, he counseled me on what part of the island to go to that wouldn't be touristed and got myself a place to stay. And I uh, had to source my own food and water. It's an Islamic country. I didn't have proper clothing. They would not take uh, any cash that wasn't pristine. They were very suspicious. I thought that was very fascinating. I have um, just finished reading your book, Both Things Are True. And um, I thought that was really fascinating that they would look at your dollars and say no because the corner was bent or they were worn. Mm-hmm. That's like so freaky. It was like that in Morocco too. I think a lot of countries where their currency is more of a closed system are suspicious of our money because they treat their money with so much more respect. It really is in pristine condition. They don't ever wad it up or fold it into, and they would never write on it or burn the edge or, you know, all the things that happens to our money. So I think they think it couldn't possibly be real. And so so they're just really, yeah. Said very, I had $38 of usable cash and very few places would take my credit card. And it was a really challenging, really hard time. But the biggest thing that came from that for me was, um, really looking at how I felt about being alone there. It was a whole different kind of alone. I mean, all my friends left. I had an 11-hour time difference back home. So when I'm awake, everyone I know is asleep. I couldn't process things with friends like I was used to and commiserate. I just was on my own. I had to make decisions. I literally was survival decisions, and I was having to lean on myself in a different way than I had in the years I'd been alone since my divorce, because I there's that kind of alone where you live alone, but you can pick up a phone or go see be with someone if you choose to, right? And this was just, nope, it's just you. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you and I have um, something huge in common, and I want to talk about the beetle and the praying mantis, because I hate bugs. Matter of fact, if, if the viewers could see my office, there's a sign that says, I like nature, just don't get it on me. Because I have a primal fear of bugs. And matter of fact, it was very hard for me to go to Africa to see some of the philanthropic, philanthropic work I did 
They're like, come see the charity you built. I'm like, no, there's a lot of bugs in Africa. I'm too scared. So I finally went and I have a whole regime I do with this bug, insulated bug thing. And I put my oils on and pray and get in it, close it over my head and arms and pray. I know you're here. I don't want to see you. So um, one of the things you talked about when you first walked into the room in the Maldives was a big ass beetle walking behind your bed. And I don't know that I could have laid on that bed knowing he was somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I never did see him again. He disappeared right behind the nightstand in the corner. And I just assume he stayed back there. I don't, if he left, I never saw it. Thankfully I never saw him again. It would have been really, really hard if he was still visible on the wall. I would have had to get some way to get him out of there. But yeah, it was very, very, I was very conscious of him for the first couple of days. And then I, I, it was sort of in the background. There were so many other things to be afraid of. Yeah. It's interesting how that hierarchy can shift. You yeah. know, it's like, if that had been the only thing going on, I would have been micro-focused on the beetle and just as scared, right? But there were so many other things that needed my attention that it kind of faded into the background. Yeah. Well, I, when I read that, you said, I really, did, I hate, too. yeah, bugs. And there was ants and there was a praying mantis on the wall. And I was just like, of all the places, please, um, if I have to have a quarantine somewhere, make it without lots of bugs. <laughs> Please make it in a high altitude or something. Cause I would like, that would be my super fear. It's like, I can talk to myself. I'm pretty good about that. I'm, I love being alone. And I would really hate the bugs and the ants, but and that's just I a just, really micro thing that I picked out because I related no, so much to it. No, of course you relate to that. And I think a lot of people do, but I also think the bugs played that role on purpose. Like, I was meant to be stripped down as vulnerable as I could be. And I think anything I was afraid of was put in play. Like mm -hmm. it just, it, when I look back on it, I see that. It's like, I think the bugs were there because I have that fear. Well, tell everyone about your yeah. journey from fear and to be able to look back and not only have produced a book, a fabulous book from this experience, but to have found so much more of yourself as I love that you called it on Warrior Beach. Now I just like I keep picturing sitting on warrior beach. I want to go to warrior beach. I'm gonna like, oh, it was warrior bench. It warrior, was bench warrior bench. bench. But yes. at the, at, I guess yes. I'm saying yes. at the beach. So you're thinking of the beach. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah at yeah. the beach, you sat on your warrior bench. There you yes. go. Um, and yes. I keep thinking of that. Like, I want to do that now. I want to go to the Indian <laughs> Ocean and go Absolutely. retrace your steps and see the guy in the store. You know, hi, I'm here to shop, but I'll bring pristine money. So I learned that. Okay. So tell everyone yes. what you learned about you. I learned that I didn't actually trust myself or my higher power. I learned that I had, I wasn't sure my higher power had my, what I would consider my best interest at heart, right? It's like, okay, growth, whatever. I like, I would like to be comfortable. Thank you very much. So it was just really challenging for me to, to be like, I realized, I think some people have trouble trusting other people and only lean on themselves. And some people like me, feel more safe and solid when they're around other people to help them be in it with them, making a group decision, right? So I just really only had me and I had to kind of reconnect with myself and look underneath that and see, why don't I trust myself? Where is this coming from? And I just really learned I wasn't, I had lost touch with myself. I wasn't listening. And once I started listening to what my spirit and my body were telling me and what my higher power was telling me, I felt certain of what was next. I, I understood what was happening to me. I had a calmness. I learned how to be really present. 
um, where I was on that beach and also present with what I was feeling. And no matter what it was, even when it was a quote unquote scary or hard emotion, the kind that we would try to push down, I learned to have compassion for myself and just really engage with me where I was, you know, in moment by moment where I was physically, emotionally, spiritually. And that was, I mean, that is such a tremendous gift to have brought home with me. Oh, yeah. I just don't numb out in the way that I used to. Yeah. Well, uh, I really relate because I'm a person that I think found self-esteem with how much I could do for a really long time until now in my sixties, I'm finally getting a handle on being and not doing because I was that Midwest family that, you know, I worked at McDonald's to pay for college and my dad, mom would sit down every night and say, what'd you do for us today? Well, I got straight A's and I ran the honor society and I worked 20 hours at McDonald's. Is that all you got? Uh, well, yeah. yeah, that was today. So let me start working on tomorrow now. You know, I mean, I always was overachieving. And then I think my low self-esteem from being chubby and, you know, not having huge breasts and not being one of those girls, cheerleader girls was like, you're going to like me because all I do for you, right? And have yes. the theme party and I'll celebrate your birthday with style. And, and uh, you know, it's such a um, contagion of overdoing and not feeling. And mm-hmm. I think my hip replacements and um, my divorce was pretty early, but my hip replacements and some of the things I've been blessed with, quotes, yes. <laughs> you know, have given me a chance to take that breath. And now it's like, I'm in my 60s. Everything's changed. You know, the wee small voice is the winner. <laughs> What's the wee small voice saying today? <laughs> yes. Yes. And it takes us to the most spectacular places if we're willing to brave the fear of listening. Yes. So, so um, briefly, because I know we could go on for like a day, because I have like a 7,000 questions for you. But, um, and then tell everyone how you've incorporated poetry in the book, because again, I think that was really unique and different than, uh, I'm going to call normal authors, you know, that just like spit out a story. But I love the, the rich gooeyness of your poetry in there. Um, well, I had brought a notebook with me on vacation because I have been actively writing poetry since the pandemic started. It's been just how I've processed a lot of my emotions around everything happening in the world. And I was looking forward to all this quiet time on this boat to write. And actually, you know, some of the poems in the book were written before I went, um, but they ended up being really relevant to what I experienced. And then uh, one of them I wrote on the boat and the photo of me on the back of the book is actually of me writing that poem that I didn't yet know would be finished in quarantine. And then that that photo that I didn't know one of my friends took at the time would end up being on a book I was going to write. But um, yeah, I was journaling the whole time I was in quarantine. I It just made sense. Those poems were interspersed in there and it just made sense to include those because they exude the emotion of what I was learning and experiencing and kind of tied it all together. It's such a cohesive thread of we begin learning a lesson, you know, sometimes months or a year or more ahead of the big crisis event where it takes hold in us, right? And it just was like, oh my gosh, I wrote this poem six months ago. 
And here it is, like, this is so profound. And just seeing the thread that tied it together, they belonged in the book. I, I didn't set out to put them in there. It just, they belonged there. Right. The book wrote you, I think. Like yes. you, you were writing the book. The book was writing you. And God was just guiding the whole darn thing. Absolutely. Well, again, we yeah. could go on for about a year. So if we decide to have an entire <laughs> podcast called Both Things Are True, let me know. I'm helping people produce podcasts. We'd love to have you in the team. Uh, but tell everyone how to find the book, a little bit more about it, and then how to find you. Uh, so the book is on Amazon. Uh, you can also get it like at Barnes and Noble and stuff, but the easiest way is probably to go online and just look for both things are true. Uh, my website is janineballantine.com. It's J-A-N-I-N-E and then Valentine, just like Valentine's Day. You can buy the book through there, which will just take you to Amazon, but you can read more about me. And also I have a whole page of all my poems, not just the ones that are in the book there, if you want to look at that. So I'm also on Instagram as Janine Valentine author. You'll be able to find me that way. Um, so yeah, and I mean, the book is the full experience. It takes you through the whole quarantine and then also into like my integration back home and how it changed me and moving forward, how I learned to, to do things differently. Well, many of us may not get to go to the Maldives and hopefully for all of us listening, we've already done our COVID deal and we've got through that, um, but I think all of us will have an opportunity to find out both things are true and to find the gifts in um, whatever fear it is that you have created as your story and uh, the amazingness of the opportunity to change by learning something else, trying something new and discovering uh, the resilience of yourself. You've been listening to Boost Power Podcast. This is your host, Betsy Wearsma, Janine Valentine, author, speaker, poet, who knows what's next. I don't know. I'm going to get her over to podcaster. I think she'd have a lot of fun interviewing people about their fears and how both things are true. Uh, it's been so much fun to not only interview you, but to just feel you through your book, to experience your ups, your downs, your sides, your beetles, your ants, your praying mantises, the guy in the grocery store, and the bench on Warrior Beach. Um, so all of you now need to get this book, Both Things Are True, on Amazon, and so you too can look at your life journey. I hope you enjoyed Hook it up with us at Boost Power Podcast. We are here to uplift and inspire, and we're part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, which is a bunch of super fun women saving the world one podcast at a time. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform. Give us a rating. Tell all your friends because we want to boost you in your life. Again, this is your host, Betsy Wearsma. Thank you for listening to Boost Power Podcast and plugging in stories from the journey of life and business. Our music is by award-winning singer-songwriter Megan Burt, and we're produced at the Cinder Sound Studios in Colorado. We are part of the Global Sisterhood Podcast Network, people committed to podcasts on purpose that are designed to uplift and inspire. Please subscribe to Boost on your favorite podcast platform and tell your friends to join us. Learn more, BetsyWearsma.com.